spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 104th annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody, and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. We are enjoying a g- still rainy weather. Apparently, allegedly, um, it's supposed to snow tomorrow, which is fun. Uh, I Ugh. hope <laughs> I hope not. I mean, there's no way it can actually like accumulate, but uh, still. Can you just go away? Jesus, it's fucking April already. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's getting close to a hundred uh, during the weekend. It j- it did crack a hundred, I believe, in the afternoon. So the shitty thing is, though, my apartment complex decided that its annual maintenance would be best uh, to take place Friday afternoon until Monday afternoon. So okay, during yep during the weekend when it's ninety seven, when you want to be out at the pool, it's shut down for three days. So thank okay. you, thank you, uh, management. <laughs> What are they doing to it? Like uh, building it or something or? No, they're they're just kind of, I guess they're like the annual maintenance, probably, you know, filters, shocking the pool, making sure everything's cleaned up, like ready for the summer. It's just the, the deal is they could have done it during the week when no one uses the pool. So no, no, of course uh, they could have, yeah. but uh, they didn't want to. They wanted to inconvenience everybody there. What's the point of cleaning it if they're just going to have to, you know, it's going to get dirty again. They're going to have to clean it again. So let's just make sure no one uses it this weekend. <laughs> How big is that pool? It's not too bad. Um, it's one of those, like an L-shaped pool. It's got a little hangout area, like the, the shallows mm. um, near the steps. And then it, it goes into an L into the deeper water. And there's a hot tub that kind of connects to it off to the side. So it's nice. It's got a big area around it to like tan and everything too. So quite a bit of room. Do, okay. Does anybody actually use the hot tub in Arizona? I do. Oh, you do. It's not yeah. too hot. Well, if it's a hundred degrees, why are you going in the hot tub? I like a good boil. Okay. It's good for the bones and the muscles and everything. <laughs> so you like to parboil yourself basically. Yep. What's that? Uh, braise that thing you do the vegetables there you go when you you just steam the fuck out of them yeah the old arizona human bait or braising there you go uh yeah i wanted to i was kind of talking about uh to you phil we can't really say any names or any stories on the uh, main episode but we've we've heard there's some big news in the old hometown one of our dear dear old friends may potentially be in police custody right now. Um, <laughs> From what we've heard, he is most definitely in police custody. Yeah, so, well, yeah. you know what I'm thinking? When we, we're definitely going to be busting out a uh, off-the-record episode this week, which will probably drop before this episode drops. But, uh, but yeah, we'll probably be dropping that and talking all about uh, that particular individual. Maybe we'll look back and tell some, some stories of him because he... You know, he was a fond character in our younger days. He was a 
interesting cat, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. He, uh, he's, you know, he's taken some hard turns in life and it's been a rough uh, decade and a half for him, but hopefully, you know, he gets, uh, gets back on track, but yeah, some, uh, some great stories from that guy in the past. It's, uh, when you think about him, literally all you can say is meth is a hell of a drug, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, you look at the, his Facebook pictures and you see from when he's in his early twenties all the way to today. And you can just see it in the face starting to starting to take its effects. Starting so. to get dude. Uh, one thing quick before we get in here. So <laughs> Bianca showed me this TikTok, and it's like this this lady who you can just tell she's a meth addict. All her teeth are missing and everything. Yep. And she's like, yo, man, I, they can't stop me. I just smoke a little weed every day. And then someone's like responding to it and be like, are you sure it's just weed? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's smoking meth or something. Holy shit. Her teeth were there just was, like not there. There was a great meme that I saw. It was it was one of those uh, pictures that's cut into four, and it was showing vampires from Twilight, Underground, uh, another vampire movie, and then the fourth one was from Circle K, and it was a like this <laughs> meth head with only two teeth sticking down where a vampire would have its fangs. It was great. I like the fuck out of that one. It was awesome. Oh, geez. I might have to look that one up. Well, Phil, are we ready to get into the nitty-gritty of part two of the history of essential oils? Now, this uh, we're going to be getting a little more modern with this one, so... Uh, I think it'll kind of resonate more with uh, the current predicament that we're living in. Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Well, we're going to start off. Like I said, we are essentially stopping at the Romans and what they did with herbal medicine and uh, aromatic herbs and all that shit. They uh, very flowery. They love to smell well. Then they collapsed. And now we're kind of getting into... Uh, well, we're going to be talking about one of the main deities that uh, kind of his religion kind of took over after the Romans. Um, that was Jesus. OK, now Jesus <laughs> does have a little bit of a connection here. And the Federation, I think, he, was alleged, allegedly a real person. We should. Say. Alle- yep, yep. Allegedly. allegedly a real person. Now, the Federation, I'm assuming was very proud that they could put Jesus's name on their uh, aromatherapy website. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a pretty big name in history. You know, it's basically they have a built-in fan base for him. So as long as they right. can, you know, get that little get that little pop, maybe make some sales. Right, right. It's uh, yeah, it's basically like a basketball player promoting like a fucking car dealership or something, right? You're you're getting all the fans of that basketball player in with your product as well. Charles Barkley promoting a <laughs> casino. Yeah, you know what I read today that he claims that the NFL or ESPN or something approached him to be a commentator for NFL games, and he said, "I didn't want to do it." I don't know if I believe that, but uh, whatever, Charles Barkley. <laughs> yeah well i mean he's already doing the basketball thing so i'm guessing they're paying him a shit ton of money for that oh probably oh, i'm sure if he's blowing through money like he was in the old days he's got to be spending those paychecks before they're coming because <laughs> from the stories just from the stories that i've heard from like you go online you see him all over the place about like the indulgences like back in the 90s 2000s of 
the NBA players. And it's just fucking insane. That uh, that yeah. documentary broke. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. They're we, talking about those guys. We brought that up several times now. Yeah. It was said that the gifts that were brought to Jesus on the day of his birth were of great importance in regards to his future status as a deity. The frankincense was meant to be a symbol for a god, which was essentially the life he lived up until his death, according to the Federation. These are all symbolic, okay? Now, the myrrh was used in embalming the dead, and it represented his death. And the gold was a symbol of royalty or for kings representing his resurrection into the kingdom of heaven. So, obviously, the two main herbs there or whatever the hell they are are kind of very important to Jesus. And we're just kind of uh, symbolic in kind of showing his life path. But I don't know how the three wise men would have known he was going to do all that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, There's supposedly a prophecy of like the coming of the the savior and um i don't know if they if that's built into that story but there was actually i don't know if you've ever seen it uh there's a documentary called religious by bill maher okay in so in that documentary he's actually talking to one of those preachers the ones who do like the mega church like tight preaching the basically the charlatans who are just there to get the money <laughs> and He's the one who he's the famous one on there who uh, Bill Maher referenced his lizard skin boots. And he said, they don't. He's like, how much do they run? He's like, they don't run. They crawl like making little jokes about. Yeah. That shit. Yeah. But Bill Maher was asking him about like, why do you think it's OK for you to have all this money? You know, like Jesus said, it's easier for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. And he actually referenced the fact that he was given gold when he was a baby, which meant that he was wealthy since he had that gold when he was a baby. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I don't know yeah, if I believe that's how it. he justified it. He, so. Well, I mean, obviously they're going to kind of come up with whatever justification they possibly can. But uh, I think the Federation might be stretching or might be like grasping at straws for their little you thing here. <laughs> That's just my guess. They also claim Indian spikenard was said to have been used by Mary to anoint Jesus right before he was crucified. Also, the sponge that the Roman soldier used to pat on Jesus' lips while he hung on the cross was said to contain vinegar and myrrh. Now, I was trying to find out like the truth behind this. They Okay, so they said Romans drank vinegar wine, right? And mm -hmm. they would let people who are about to be crucified get shit-faced off this, so obviously <laughs> it might not hurt quite as bad. Um, but Jesus said, I'm not drinking the wine, okay? And then they well, said... Well, he drank, he drank wine all the time, though. I, I don't know. According to this one little... website, he refused the Roman vinegar wine um, before his crucifixion. I don't exactly know why but they also said the vinegar that he patted his lips for was like in the jewish religion it's something about uh for passing over or something like that so like they might have did it to be nice to him perhaps i don't know again this is just was it for passing over or for passover i pass over passover okay i thought you said passing over well, yeah, we'll pass over, but I don't know if that's because he's about to die or something. I don't I don't really know. Oh, okay. I don't really know. I'm guessing that's all wild speculation. 
But yeah, uh, when you kind of like the first time I heard that they like tried to give him vinegar, it almost kind of sounded like because we were always threatened. Um, the nuns would always threaten if we like used bad language that they would make us drink vinegar. So it always kind of sounded like a mean thing that the Romans and they're obviously the bad guys in the story. Right. You know, right. Minus the Jew, minus the Jewish kings being the bad guys. But, you know. <laughs> They well, they they kind of come off as the bad guys too. Well, I think the Federation put the myrrh in there as well because I think the, what they're trying to point out is it it gave him like a soothing comfort that he yeah. he had myrrh when he was crucified or whatever. So um, I'm sure that had nothing to do with it, but uh, the Federation wants you to believe that. Now we're gonna move on to oh. the Middle Ages here, Phil. You know, kind of would you call the Middle Ages kind of like the rise? The like power stone of Christianity. Um, yeah, I mean it. It's kind of when it really started to spread. They kind of their power in Europe, at least their power, kind of rose up with all of the monarchies. So yeah, gotcha. I would say that's when they started consolidating power. Gotcha. Okay. I mean in Europe, at least. I mean in the in the East Holy in the Eastern. Uh, Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire, they obviously, you know, they were the Christians were in charge completely, but it really started to spread to the Middle Age in the Middle Ages to Europe. So gotcha. Okay. well, according to the Federation during the Middle Ages, it was the Knights of the Crusades that were the ones who would bring back all sorts of aromatic essences back to Europe. Whether it was taken willingly or through force, they neglect to mention that point there. But these herbs will become very important when the bubonic plague hits. So, what, the Knights of the Crusade, I'm assuming there's a lot of, a lot of pillaging. Um, so, I'm assuming they just kind of took these herbs. What do you think? Yes, definitely. Right after they raided whatever town, they were either on the way to... The Middle East or on their way back. I'm guessing they probably raided it from the villages. I, I'm not sure. Uh, there were a couple different crusades. I'm not sure how, like what routes they took, if they actually went through Turkey or they took boats. But I do know that they did raid uh, along the way. So Yeah, I just, I, th- I thought it was funny that the fucking <laughs> Federation's like, oh, they brought back all sorts of herbs and aromatic essences and i'm like, like i'm pretty sure they killed people and just took them dude like it's your mom bringing home a pizza after work like oh look at what i brought like well you know you guys killed the killed some people for these so well oh i thought you were gonna say it's like when your mom brings back pizza and it's got blood all over the box because she killed the pizza <laughs> boy and just took it from him just like the fucking knights of the crusades did yeah <laughs> When the Black Death was sweeping the continent, they would order that fires be lit at night, but they would also burn things like frankincense, benzene, benzion, and pine. I'm not sure what benzion is. I've never heard of that before, but I'm sure it smells nice. The smell of death was so bad indoors, you could regularly see homes burning incense and perfumed candles. As an added layer of protection against the smell, they would just straight up throw aromatic herbs on the floor. They also believed that the herbs would help stop the spread of infection. Additionally, people would very often carry around aromatic plants in the form of pomander, 
which is an orange stuffed with cloves. Have you ever? <laughs> I feel like you should carry around one of these bad boys, Phil. <laughs> Just a fucking. Well, maybe when I maybe when I go into the Circle K or into Walmart out here, <laughs> possibly. But there was also the the plague doctors, the very oh, famous plague about, masks. We will be talking what? about them, Phil. Don't spoil oh, it okay. now. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, but I was also gonna say that they. Um, some of the ladies would carry their handkerchiefs in their pocket. They would soak it in perfume and put it up to their face when right. they were walking around outside because the smell of death was so bad. Yeah, I imagine it smells about as bad as fucking Mitch McConnell's basement um, d- did there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say his neck folds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It's not that stinky. Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, it's pro- like in, in Mitch McConnell's basement, you know, that's probably where he sheds his skin and he just leaves the old skins. They're just still standing up in his basement. What if he had his whole basement was just like every time he sheds skin, it just stands up straight and he just leaves it there. Just hundreds of them. Yeah, his little, uh, his own little reptile lair. He's got down <laughs> in his basement. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it sounded like, um, with all these dead bodies and shit, it sounded fucking horrible. Ah, oh, God, I can't even imagine the stench of it. But uh, those po- those po- pomander things. Um, have you ever made like, God, is it a ham? I can't remember if it's a ham or something else where you like stuff cloves in it and then cook it no uh you're the one who did all the crazy shit with food <laughs> i i'm more of a steak and potato type person right and then you know vegetables or something but i'm not a huge cook well that uh that's what it reminded me of because that is kind of a classic way of cooking ham by like because a clove kind of has like a little spike on it almost you can kind of okay. just jam it in there i'm not sure why they thought an orange was a good vessel for protecting against the plague, but uh, apparently it was. Yeah, maybe it has something to do with, like, the acid or the fact that I don't know how easily it would be to get oranges in mainland Europe at the time. So I don't know if they maybe grow in, like, the Mediterranean, like the warmer climates, but... Oh, I thought they were only in Florida and Georgia. Florida and Georgia, yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they grow other places, too, but... Hey, they don't want you to know that, Phil. It could be like the situation with coffee where they kind of have to import it from, you know, Everywhere. the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Um, in Anyway, interestingly, they believed at the time the apothecaries and puf- perfumers were immune to the bubonic plague simply for the fact that they were the ones who handled aromatic plants on a regular basis. So that... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if any of that's true at all. What do you, how are you feeling about that? Well, so when, uh, you know, that famous, that famous line, bring out your dead, uh, that goes along with the bubonic plague where people would basically take the dead bodies out of their house of the people who died the night before and just kind of throw them into the streets. So the people who actually collected those dead bodies, they, these towns would recruit these like mountain men, these men from like up in the hills, like they're hardy, they're hardy men. And apparently the bubonic plague didn't affect them as badly as other people. So those were the men who were paid to basically collect all the dead bodies and later on take them to the fire. But the problem is like during the early days, I believe they would still be having the Christian burials because they didn't believe in burning the bodies yet. Like, 
that was kind of a crossroads between this old, old style of medicine and trying something new, realizing your shit's not working and mm. burning the body. That gotcha. also goes along with uh, Nostradamus, too. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Did not know that. Now, the yeah. ever so notorious plague doctors, as you were kind of uh, alluding to, apparently had learned how to utilize the power of aromatic herbs. We know the long-beaked mask they used to wear, wear, well, apparently they would stuff a nose bag full of herbs such as cinnamon and cloves inside. They believed that it would filter out any of the deadly toxic air they could potentially be breathing in. The long stick the plague doctors would often carry around was also filled with aromatic herbs. They believed if they waved it around in front of them as they were walking, it would disinfect the air and kill the virus. So, was that what you were going to mention, Phil? I was going to mention the thing about the mask being yeah. stuffed with all of the spices and perfumes. And mm-hmm. basically, I, um, yeah, basically, it is good when you're, I mean, even when someone suffering from the plague was alive, those sores on their body were just disgusting. So, having that just in your face would definitely help out. I mean, how long could you take it? If if this was you, you're walking down, let's say, Phoenix, and all you can smell is essentially it, it's like the inside of an Abercrombie and Fitch store. That would be pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, I um, I can't stand it when you like walk past someone like if you're at a bar and someone just goes ham with their uh, not like perfume or cologne, something like that, whoever it is, guy or girl. They just go ham on it and all you can do, you're just caught in the wake of their fucking, you know, their smell. That's fucking bad. I Dude, I had one of those. We were at Costco yesterday and literally I turned the corner in an aisle and it was just like this fucking hurricane of perfume from this lady just like blasted me. I don't know. It was just stuck in that one aisle, but it was so top. It was so potent. Like, made my eyes burn a little bit. And then sometimes, like, if you're walking past at the grocery store, like, an, um, like one a really older lady and some chick who's, like, in her 80s and just the, she has that old style of perfume on that's just, like, stings your eyes whenever you're around them. Like, my, gra- my, my, uh, my crazy grandma Dolores used to wear that shit when we'd go over to her house. And it was just fucking... It's like a punch in the face. <laughs> it was, did cover up the smell of booze, though, pretty well. I was going to say, um, the old men aren't uh, immune from this either because sometimes they used to get, like, the liquid perfume, Ooh. like, brute, and they just, like, you know, splash it on themselves. It's just disgusting. Ugh. After they shave. Yeah, it's uh-huh. fucking terrible. Uh-huh. Ugh, that used to be sexy in 1952, but uh, in 2020, that's not so not so much anymore. Yeah, leave it leave it in the past. Now let's learn a little bit about the clove essential oil. This is an interesting one here. Uh, they claim this is from uh, one of the random fucking essential oil websites. They claim it is anti antimicrobial, so it will help kill bacteria. It can be used as a pain reliever for things like a toothache or muscle pain. It can help with an upset stomach and may help relieve respiratory problems such as a cough or asthma. So 
in essence, if what they're saying true is true, technically, it might have been slightly effective against the bubonic plague. You know, it, it seems like a lot of these fucking herbs are antimicrobial, but I don't, you know, I guess it's the best they had at the time, right? Yeah. So what you're saying, like the clove really helps with some of that stuff. So when we were teenagers smoking those clove cigarettes, <laughs> you are that's immune the reason to... why I never caught asthma and I, didn't get sick that much. I was going to say, you're immune to lung cancer after you smoke them, Phil. You know that. Probably why I never got COVID, just because of <laughs> all those clove cigarettes I smoked when I was in my 1920s. Uh, well, I'm going to actually tell you the truth about clove uh, here from WebMD. All right. So <clears throat> there is... A swath of people that claim if it is applied directly to a toothache, it does somewhat alleviate the symptoms. But all the other benefits, there has not been a single shred of scientific evidence to prove that it works at all. So now that technically, technically, to be fair and not completely make fun of them, they nobody, no company has like invested in a scientific research of it. So there is that as well um now the cost you can get a little bottle for about eight dollars or 125 dollars for a five pound drum of this shit if you want that much of it i don't know what you would do with five pounds of clove oil just bathe in it i I guess guess. holy shit you dip your clove cigarettes in or you take your regular cigarettes soak them in the clove oil then you smoke them you got a now hybrid, yeah, half hybrid, uh, clove, half clove, half regular cigarette. Hell yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about something I just labeled as the Swissman. I hope that's not racist to anybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> born during the 1500s in modern day Switzerland was a gentleman by the name of Philippus Theophratus Bombatus von Hen- <laughs> Hahenheim or Periclesius, as he is more commonly known. Holy shit, can you... Look at that name. You can't even... Yeah. Can you imagine writing that fucking name down? It is a hell of a fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of this guy before? No, I haven't. I'm pretty sure it's per, uh, para, Paraclesius. Uh, I believe it's Periclesius, something like What's, that. Like Paracelsus or something like Paracelsus, that. Paracelsus, yeah. you think? Yeah, is Paris- like Celsius. <laughs> I can call him Paracelsus. That's fine, too. Whatever the Swissman wants. Um, <laughs> so Paracelsus was a famous physician, astrologer, surgeon, and alchemist who would revolutionize medicine. He was the first known person to learn how to isolate the useful chemical agents from plants, the exact close to the exact same process that we use in modern-day medicine. Paracelsus would go on to write the book, The Great Surgery Book, which was all about alchemy, but not the turning metal into gold type of alchemy. It was all about creating important healing medicines by extracting certain elements from plants. He would go on to call this process Quinta Essentia, or essential oils. Um, (laughs) So he kind of, in a roundabout way, uh invented this shit i guess here phil nice yeah so kind of he is the one who started the whole revolution of the essential oil craze that we start today just 500 years ago yeah something like that 
Um, I don't know how exactly he learned how to like, um, kind of, it sounded like he kind of learned how to like separate the compounds of a plant. If that makes sense. You know, obviously like we're going to be talking about it today or like in modern times where they essentially, um, take some substance, break it down and extract the one chemical component that they want out of it or something like that. Um, okay. He was kind of, so, it sounded like he kind of started that. So the old way of doing things was either just to boil it or to crush it yep. and put it into oil. So you got the whole plants, but he kind of figured out ways to kind of get rid of all the shit you didn't want and just grab the important stuff out of yeah. these plants. Yeah, okay. exactly. Gotcha. That, that's kind of what it sounded like. Um, it's funny because the Federation like seems to really take offense that people <laughs> um, don't call things alchemy anymore. They like call it chemistry and <laughs> whatever now. Oh, they yeah. don't seem to really like that very much. Yeah, the whole um, like the word alchemy kind of has a bad rap just because it's kind of uh, associated with charlatans, I guess you would say. People oh, yeah. who try to turn or try to sell the secret of turning lead into gold. It kind of really just got bottled up into that. And like an alchemist just kind of used to be like what a pharmacist would be now or a yeah. chemist. Yeah, a chemist. So, I think I think um, the, a medical chemist. Yeah. yeah. Um it kind of sounded like from the federation that it kind of got that bad rap because of uh Islam, but because I don't know if it has something about turning like metals into gold or something in the Quran or something like that. Um, they That's what they were kind of saying. I didn't really include it in all of the notes here, but that's kind of, I feel like, what they were leaning on. Well, that's kind of, I don't really know like about, so for Islam and like the importance of gold in Islam, I know that the, a lot of their like important kind of like statues, um, the dome, uh, dome of the rock. Like there's a lot of like importance with like gold sculptures and everything like that. But I don't know anything about like turning lead into gold. Like I've never heard anything from them. So I, well, I, it sounded like it just was in there. I mean, obviously or, the Quran has like a lot of, uh, stuff in it. A lot of, or the uh, feder- go ahead. Or I was going to say the Federation is just kind of picking an easy target. Maybe <laughs> they're pro Christianity perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's just I I don't know. It kind of sounded like somewhere along the line they used scaring people with the thought of evil alchemy to shoo them away from Islam and or I don't something like that. I don't know. That's kind of what it sounded like. I didn't really look that deep into it, but uh, but okay. yeah, yeah. That that's it there. Now because of this man's hard work with alchemy all throughout the 1500s. Cedarwood, cinnamon, frankincense, myrrh, rose, rosemary, and sage oils became a mainstay. A mainstay for any respectable pharmacy. So, you, if they had 1500s Walgreens or CVS, this shit would be inside of there. Otherwise, you better leave immediately because it cannot be taken serious, Phil. Do you think that the receipt that they give you at the AD fifteen hundred CVS would still be three and a half feet long, <laughs> just made out of like parchment paper? And you'd have to sign up for the rewards card as well. Yeah, you gotta. That, that's 
it's honestly CVS. I just never go in there just because of that reason. Just because <laughs> the they always bug you to sign up for their shit. Even though I'm a me- even though I have the card, like I'm a member here, click it. They're still trying to get me to sign up for shit. Honestly, maybe this is just more of a Midwest thing, but I'm more of a Walgreens guy. But there's mm. more Walgreens than CVS. I feel like a lot more. Yeah, there's more CVSs here. There's one on every block. So okay, well maybe one day they'll both get super powerful and they have to battle each other for global domination. Yeah, just destroying the world. Just, just just launching launching rosemary oil bombs at each other or something. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> little little rockets just with fucking uh, cinnamon bombs coming at people's eyes. <laughs> they're just gonna they're just gonna make like uh, tribuches of uh, giant <laughs> receipt balls and just launch at each other. Oh, that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah there you go. That's why that they need all the their reason. receipts. They're extra flammable. You ever smell them? It smells like pure gas when they come out of there, Phil. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. You ready to learn about cedar wood essential oil? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Now, the the websites claim it may help battle itchy or flaky scalps by adding four or five drops in your shampoo or, or conditioner. It may help battle acne. Reduce the appearance of scars, treat minor wounds, alleviate arthritis symptoms, and eczema. They also claim it may help your insomnia or possibly be beneficial in reducing anxiety and stress. And as a final cherry on top, it could be used as an insect repellent. Um, Now, the truth of this, Phil. Not a single <laughs> shred of scientific evidence that it has any benefit at all. So there is that. The cost for this, it's a little bit more, a little bit more than the clove. Uh, it's $9 to $170 for a five-pound drum of this bad boy stuff here. I don't know what the hell you'd want to do with that much of it, but it is out there if you would like to purchase that much. I'm guessing if somebody has, like, a super flaky and itchy scalp or really bad skin. It sounds like somebody who would have really bad skin would really want to give this a try. Cause I mean, it yeah. helps with eczema, bad scalps, you know, like flaky, everything, acne reduces the appearance of scars, uh, treats minor wounds. I mean, that's a little weird. Maybe it's <laughs> kind of like, well, for kind of like sap, you like know? see if Jesus would have put that on his his hands and feet after he's crucified and they would have healed right up. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a minor probably wound, how right? he, Probably how he rose from the dead in three days. He just had <laughs> some just, cedar wood essential they oil. A, they put a cross of cedar wood oil on his forehead. And he just, the light just bursts <laughs> out the rock and just like Goku coming up here. He does a kip up like Shawn Michaels. He just jumps up from on his back. I I envision him more resurrecting as like the Undertaker when he sits up after getting knocked down, where he just like oh, sits yeah. right up. <laughs> no uh, cell sit up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I always I only imagine Jesus as the Buddy Jesus from the movie Dogma. Hell so yeah. every time I think of Jesus, it's always Buddy Jesus. You know what? He could have been that cool. I don't really know. But, uh, all right, we're going to be starting really kind of rapidly here, getting into the modern century. Now, I lo- this is one of my favorite um, quotes from the Federation about the 17th century. <laughs> this is an exact quote from their website. It was too good not to read. 
Medicinal herbs were widely used during this period, which sadly paved the way for charlatans and quacks to make some easy money. Unfortunately, as a result, herbal medicine began to lose the respect of the physicians and medical professions of the day. Oh, that is so sad, isn't it, Phil? Yeah, the crazy thing is they started adding this shit like into ointments and other things where they actually put like real medicine like cocaine, heroin, and alcohol, <laughs> like things that really affect you. They you, were putting that stuff in with those. So you know it's what? kind of one of those deals. I heard they used to call that the Gary Busey fix them all. That was his <laughs> old concoction, the Gary Busey fix fix anything. It was like it was like flex seal for every known health problem. The Gary Busey fix it all. Cocaine, heroin, yeah. and alcohol. Cocaine. Yeah, well... Every time, um, it's just like with the sodas from the 1800s, how they would, uh, they were always from a doctor and they would always claim that this is going to help you, you know, obviously Coca-Cola had cocaine in it. There was uh, Pepsi, which had Pepsid in it. Uh, there's a bunch more kind of like those, like the soda fountains, they would have like medicinal purposes. It's kind of where soda came from. The same with a lot of those charlatans and their, their snake oil treatments. A lot of them like, oh, just take a teaspoon of it and it'll make you more lively at a party. It'll t- bust you out of your shell. Well, it's got enough cocaine and alcohol in it to, you know, make anybody a fun person. <laughs> Even Gary Busey. Even uh, Gary, Gary Busey's always <laughs> awesome. But you just add Gary Busey, fix it all, and he livens right up. <laughs> now, the 17th century did birth one important figure in the history of essential oils. In Great Britain, a man by the name of Nicholas Culpepper, who is a botanist, herbist, and physician, went against the progression of modern medicine and instead insisted on utilizing the teachings of Paracelsus. Because Paracelsus' book was was written uh, strictly in Latin, Culpepper would have to translate his work to English. After doing this, Nicholas Culpepper would create his own famous book titled the Complete Herbal, which was published in 1653 and has had 41 subs- <laughs> We're gonna say this fucking word, subsequent editions published since then. Now, I don't know if that's by him or if it's or people his great-great-grandson, yeah. Dante Culpepper. <laughs> yeah, if Dante would have had some cedarwood oil, his fucking knees wouldn't have exploded and we'd still have an awesome <laughs> franchise quarterback. That would be great. If during the game when his knees just blew the fuck out, he just pulled some cedarwood ointment out of his fucking pot, out of his pants and just put it on his knees. All of a sudden just jumped up and started running around. You know what? He honestly, though, that was one of the saddest things because he he was like, honestly, probably the last franchise quarterback the Vikings had. And he just, I don't know, just his knees gave out and he could never play again. It's kind of sad. Yeah, well, he was the one quarterback that actually was good, and Minnesota didn't, like, give him the the keys to the castle, like the big bank, you know. They've given all these other people. I don't know. I've heard Dante Culpepper didn't get, like, the big bonus and everything, the big payday, but. I don't think he was out of his rookie contract before his shit exploded. Oh, okay. So he just, yeah. So, yeah, he never made out of his rookie contract. But, yeah, the guy they have now, they basically wrote him a, big ass check for mediocrity so 
31 but, million. Poor guy. I bet he can't even uh, uh, feed his fucking kids with that. Poor bastard. Yep. You know, he gives it all to the church. So. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Honestly, you're probably not far <laughs> off. All right. Let's move into the 18th century. The 18th century and the Industrial Revolution that followed in Britain was very damning to the essential oil and ancient ways of healing through herbs. Prior to the expansion, most households would cultivate their own herbs and have their own still rooms where they would make a bunch of domestic medications, vinegars, wines, and distilled spirits, probably mostly the last two there, uh, because yep. people moved into industrial industrialized towns seeking work. Often they were in more confined spaces and just simply didn't have enough, enough room to craft their own herbal medications. That is so sad, Phil. That is so sad. Definitely, whenever there's a big, like the Industrial Revolution, or kind of a big, um, like the growing of cities, the growing of industry, that cottage industry always takes a real big hit. And, you know, you move away from like the cottage industry, and it moves into stuff like the Sears catalog, or going to the mall, you know, kind of like the 1800s, uh, the century afterwards was really big in getting people kind of like standardized products. Right. So. Uh, do, okay. Now, in all reality, do you wish that you had, you could craft your own medicinal herbs? I mean, making my house? own alcohol would be cool. <laughs> like having, I don't know about having a still. That sounds kind of dangerous because those your... can blow up. <laughs> You just have like a fucking still in like your pantry. Like, yeah. nah, it's fine, dude. I promise. It's completely fine. You just, everyone has a still out back behind their house along with their chickens. And <laughs> yeah, it's just like West Virginia. But <laughs> I would say like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to, you know, people do that now. They make their own beer. They make their own wine. Um, it's kind of hard to distill your own spirits. You kind of need a little bit more you know, then just kind of like making your own wine or beer. You just need like, you know, buckets and some bottles to put in the fridge. Distilling spirits, you you do need a still. So here's the interesting thing. Most of the people who distill or make their own beer fill also use cedar wood beer wax generally. Um, So th- there's that. Is that just the hipsters? Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they probably use some sort of weird herbal pomade for their hair as well so it's kind yeah, of i was a... gonna say they after they get done making the the spirits they just put it right in their beard <laughs> probably get that lumberjack smell <laughs> the 19th century in 1887 the very first scientific study was done on the antibacterial effects of essential oils because of the outbreak of tuberculosis and added to the fact that those who work with flowers and herbs were essentially free of respiratory disorders there me- there must have been something to this this research went on to confirm that certain essential oils were able to kill the microorganisms responsible for granular fever and yellow fever notice you say there nothing about tuberculosis but um it, yeah. it will i don't know if it'll kill it i mean it here's the thing that i always think's funny while, yes, it kills it probably in, like, a Petri dish, how is it doing it inside of your body? I think that's an entirely different sack of potatoes right there, Phil. Yeah, I think maybe if it can kill it before you ingest it. So say there's, like, the people who were working around the flowers and herbs. So if 
all of the flowers and the herbs, if all of the little, you know, the pollens and everything was in the air, maybe that could kill it while it's in the air and they weren't catching tuberculosis kind of if it, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly how that's kind of how I took it as it's almost like working around those flowers and herbs kind of like shielded them maybe before it got into their system. I mean, it's very possible. Um, Did you ever read the Batman comic where Poison Ivy died of cholera? No, I didn't. I was never into (laughs) comic books. I'm joking. She couldn't be killed with tuberculosis, but cholera got her. I thought she caught herpes from uh, Robin and (laughs) uh, she kind of left town in disgrace. (laughs) Probably from Bane. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. But uh, uh, it's... I, I this see things like that are really interesting, but I'm assuming what we're about to talk about here, where they extract a certain chemical that actually battles um, different uh, organisms and stuff, is kind of. We'll get into that when I get there, and we'll talk about that more um, when we're talking about the chemicals and all of that. Mm. Now, the 19th century also brought along with it the ability to mass produce essential oils while at the same time creating synthetic and cheaper versions of the oils containing the main components from the original essential oil. The Federation claims that because of these cheap knockoffs, herbal medicine would forever be labeled as quackery due to the ease of tricking people into purchasing these inferior products. So you see here, what we have here, Phil, is them shifting the blame against yeah. Um, modern men, they're just like, no, it works. It's just that guy doesn't have the right stuff. Yeah. So no, stupid. no, they're, they're using, they're using the cheap shit. They're using the fillers. It's not the 100%, you know, the good shit fame, like just that shit. Well, it's the same old fucking chestnut with, you know, like when you tell a charlatan that you've had that stuff before and it doesn't work and it's just horrible. They're like, oh no, they don't have the stuff that I have. Yeah. Like, this is better. This is much better. It's It's like... When you go to the grocery store and you see Frosted Flakes, you see Honey Nut Cheerios, and then you see those ginormous multi meal bags that are half the mm-hmm. price for like double the cereal, does it taste slightly different? Sure. But is it not any is it any less good? Absolutely not. But they'll try to tell you those ten dollar boxes of Honey Nut Cheerios is superior. You can't listen to them. Well, even though Getting off the subject, but a lot of time those cereals are made in the same factories as the main <laughs> cereals. So, well, then you just proved the point of what we're talking about here. Basically, yeah. Honestly, this the rest of this kind of just turns into a fucking sob story from <laughs> the Federation. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, about it how they've does. been getting how they've been getting their teeth kicked in for 140 years. Yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly like. Well, you see it work before, so something went wrong two, five hundred years ago. Something went wrong. I don't know. It's just like, shut up. In, <laughs> in 1896, with the scientific revolution underway, the far-reaching advancement of chemical science would prove to be even more damning to the old ways of herbal medicine. This was because they were able to isolate the particular compound that they wanted from any given plant almost the exact same way we do when we make medication today. The Federation claims that because 
they had learned to pull apart every molecule from any given chemical to extract the desired substance, they were able to make synthetic and cheaper versions of the chemical, and because of this, the true healing effects of essential oils was truly lost, truly sadly lost during the 19th and 20th century. Even sadder. This is the saddest of all, Phil. The yep. fucking perfume industry would eventually give in to the evils of, of synthetic essences in their products. Disgusting. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. This was uh this is actually one of the greatest time like the the greatest changes in history was there was a there was a time when basically people stunk, their breath smelled horrible, they didn't wash their hair, they barely washed at all. And then it was almost like within ten to twenty years, all of a sudden that completely turned around. They uh, they came out with Listerine. They were telling people that they had a disease called halitosis. Yep. Back then, everyone had bad breath. And then it was like, no, you have halitosis. You have a disease that's giving you bad breath. And telling people, you know, you need to you need to wash yourself more than once a month or once a season. You need to do it like pretty often. Like now, the the common thing is to bathe at least one time, you know, a day. Some people bathe twice or three times a day for you know. But this is actually one of the greatest in history was when they like perfume soap really started to be like mainstream. Well, I imagine they were it was more easy to kind of um, make mass quantities of it for more people. You know what I'm saying? Like if they yep. can make synthetic variants of what they want and it does the same thing, but for a lot cheaper and they can get it to a lot more people. That doesn't seem like a bad thing to me. Oh, definitely not. And also, I mean, another thing that helped that along was obviously electricity, indoor yep, plumbing, everyone absolutely. having hot, well, most everyone having hot water. You know, some people still lived in Pittsburgh and, you know, with all the whores <laughs> and drug dealers running around, they just didn't have, you know, the ability to bathe every, you know, every month. So just like today. I would love if the Federation published a huge article about the evils of um, like toilets, indoor toilets and running water. How oh, evil yeah. it is, how unnatural it is not to shit in the woods. Like it's just Hey, I mean, if you really look at it, if you really look at it, like kind of like in a historical sense, when they when they covered up all the sewers and made all of the plumbing kind of underground, that is what having open sewers is what kept people immune or make them not get polio, resistant to polio. When they covered all that up, the next generation of kids started catching polio. So actually, indoor plumbing caused a horrible disease. <sighs> would you rather shit in the woods, Phil? Or for you shit in the I, desert? I would rather shit in my toilet. There you go. Yeah, See, so. you know what? You you win some, you lose some. <laughs> I was just giving an argument for the Federation. All hail, by the way. I forgot well, to mention that. <laughs> hail the Federation. <laughs> well... Look, you should submit your resume and see if you can get hired on with the Federation. Maybe you get a cool outfit like it's like Star Trek. Well, it's Star Trek, a Star Trek outfit, but it's like all herbs. It's just all <laughs> herbs all over there and like essential oil bottles all over. They dress there. you up like Groot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, fear not, friends. As to be expected, a few warriors continued to fight the good fight of utilizing essential oils. In 1969, a Frenchman by the name of Maurice Geralt developed what would become known as aromatogram. This is basically a laboratory technique which helps identify the antimicrobial abilities of specific essential oils. 
in addition to the work Maurice was doing, a gentleman by the name of Daniel Pignol, who was a student of medicine and naturopathy, was working on what would become known as scientific aromatherapy, focusing mostly on treating infections with essential oils. Most of his work would evolve further into what we now know as aromatology or aromatic medicine. So these are the kind of the two uh, forefathers, I guess, of what we're living through right now, if that makes sense. The people we have to thank for yeah. all of the ladies at the mall who are trying to sell us shit. <laughs> kind of giving giving it a fancy name, making it sound real official, things like that. Do you think that he actually like took any naturopathy, nate naturopathy classes at any like real university, or if it's just kind of one of those things that he claims like he's the one who signs his own certificate for it? When he gets a degree. I feel like he probably just went out in the woods if, in fucking Oregon somewhere and hung out with some hippie chicks in a tree and just said, <laughs> I'm a master naturopathy now all of a sudden. I don't know. He went, sorry. Oh, I was going to say he went fairy hunting in Iceland and <laughs> he got his degree in that and naturopathy at the same time. Maybe he hung out with Ric Flair. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> you got to make out with Ric Flair before you can become a naturopathy. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know what that is. It honestly just sounds kind of like a made-up thing, but maybe it's real. I don't really I'm sure, know. I'm, I'm sure he was fair and didn't give himself the, fur, the full 4.0 GPA and <laughs> naturopathy degree. All right, now we're going to move on to probably... My absolute favorite section of this entire series, the section we've been working our entire way up to, multi-layer marketing and essential oils. Although the Federation has claimed that it was just a simple misunderstanding and the creation of synthesized drugs that ruin the true value of essential oils, in current times we live in a world where essential oils are nothing more than a huge money-making industry that's entire backbone is utilizing a selling technique known as multi-layer marketing. Some of the main companies you may have inevitably seen include Young Living Essential Oils, Doterra, Rodan and Fields, and there is just an untold amount of other ones of these companies, and they all seem to be running on the multi-layer marketing. Now, for if we have anybody in the world who doesn't know what this is, essentially, think of it like a pyramid, right? You, <laughs> your entire job is to recruit other people to sign up for this, and then they have to sell the products, and then you get a portion of their sales on top of your own sales. So if you were lucky enough to get like 100 people signed up, you would be collecting little snippets of all the products that they're selling. But the truth is, it's like really fucking hard to like accomplish that. Yeah, the the real the the only real way that you can make money in doing this is you can't be good at selling the products to people. You're have to like you have to be really good at selling being a marketer to people, like getting into the business themselves, because no one ever buys this crap. The only <laughs> people who actually buy this crap are the people who get caught up in the multi-layer marketing scheme. Yep. They're the ones who have a garage full of crap. And a portion of that went to the person who brought them in. And then, you know, it just filters up, basically. Right. So. Well, 
Okay, I'm going to focus on the story of Young Living Essential Oils because that's a one of the sites I got a lot of the when we were talking about some of the oils like how they help you. It was from their mm-hmm. website cuz I think they're like the first one that comes up on Google. The inco- the entire company's origin story is kind of the focal point of their sales. The founder, a man named Donald Gary Young, had spent five years of his life logging and ranching, after which he was suffering with so many debilitating injuries, he would be confined to a wheelchair with no help, no hope of ever walking again. But Gary Young had what their site claims was a cowboy spirit of never backing down. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> that is literally on their website. I swear to God, that is a quote on their website. Okay, you can't keep a good cowboy down. Everybody knows that. Awesome. <laughs> because of this, he began to look for different avenues of healing through herbs and good nutrition. It was on his journey that he discovered the magic of essential oils. In eight in 1988, Gary Young would start up Young Living Essential Oils in Riverton, Utah, which is now worth billions of dollars. Uh, his story continues with Gary Young going on, and I'm not even kidding you, several Indiana Jones-like adventures of him going into, quote, forbidden zones gathering secret knowledge that was not meant for the modern world to know. I wish I was kidding about any of this, Phil, but this shit is on the fucking website. You can look at it yourself. It is ridiculous. There is no great, no greater motivator or, you know, really kicking the ass than not wanting to do farm work anymore. Yeah. That is, it's the reason why I'm living in Arizona, right? You know what I mean? It's just, (laughs) just getting the fuck out of your farm. Have you and can, I can see how him not wanting to pitch another pail of shit in his life again. Right. I can see that. Well, yeah. have you considered becoming a charlatan? I mean, I don't know. People, it's one of those deals where you kind of have to, you have to spend years building up this persona of yourself. So you also at the same time have to work on your speaking ability. You have to build your image. You kind of have to bring people in around you who also, you know, um, also, he he probably all of these little Indiana Jones like adventures, they're probably all just really poorly uh, filmed, you know, in like green screens and all of that crap. He probably has a little camera crew that works for him. Well, OK, no, no, no. These aren't films, Phil. These are just like he's venturing into these like forbidden areas. He's telling the story about oh, him. So he didn't even he didn't even bother making the film mm. of it. No, it's just like, you know, Gary went to Indonesia and talked with these secret group of monks and learned the healing power of this and that. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's fucking ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Honestly, after I was reading this, I'm like, man, we should just do a whole episode about just this guy because holy fuck, it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, now with the company that makes billions of dollars a year, You'd assume, hey, if I wanted to get involved with a company like Young Living Essential Oils or Dutera, maybe I could make some money. Now, these stats, I it seemed really hard to get the stats for Young Living Essential Oils or even like some sort of testimonial. So all mm-hmm. this is from Dutera, which it sounded like Dutera, 
you can actually make more money than Young Living Essentials. So all these numbers are from them. A new wholesale customer has to pay $35 initially and $25 to renew after that. So that's just if you would like to purchase any of their oils. Okay, so you don't yep. want to sell or anything. You just want to buy the oils. That's how much it costs just to purchase the oils. If you want to sell the oils, you need to become a wellness advocate and purchase an enrollment kit, which can range anywhere from $150 up to $3,333.33, depending on how much of the product you want to sell. So those are kind of, at least you can kind of vary how much you want to initially invest in the company, Phil. Yeah. That's a where that's kind of where a lot of people go wrong is instead of just dipping their feet in with 150, they're often kind of they get railroaded by these people who maybe got them into it by selling them the oils at first. Yeah. Then they they end up ordering way too much. They fill a garage full of crap and they can't get rid of it. And then all of a sudden more comes in because it's not just a one-time enrollment kit. Now they're getting that much every like two to three months. So they just get buried. They end up having to, you know, just basically get out of it. Try any way they can to get out of this bullshit. So, um, actually I forgot to put this in here too. I believe if you want to sell, you have to buy a minimum of a hundred dollars of product for yourself a year or something like that. So (laughs) the company, like, the company itself is making money mostly off of its workers, from my understanding. Yes. Um, yeah, so. no, that is definitely, it's definitely never, you're never actually selling, like I was saying before, the sellers of this stuff and of like those, uh, like the makeup. And there's a lot of other stuff too in these pyramid schemes. You're never actually selling to customers. You're only selling to future like wellness advocates, future people who are going to go into the pyramid. You just want them. That's mm. how you really make money is you just have people underneath you. Right. Well, okay. You want to see some numbers um, that people are making before. These numbers are before you have to pay your expenses to the company to sell the shit. So okay. 66.88% earn absolutely no money at all with this company. Um, Two thirds. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a hard sell right there. 9.12% earned $375. These are all yearly uh, as well. Um, mm. 9.66% earned $752. earned $1,250, 2.76% earned $1,837, 3.91% earned $4,370, and 0.92% earned $11,260. So What's, what's happening is you're starting to get towards the upper middle of the pyramid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're still not making that much money. No, yeah, you need to go higher to to see who really makes the money. Right. Um now the executives. Yeah, and I think the people we're about to talk about here are the executives. Now, these numbers, I don't know if this is just like over the entire life of the company, but uh I'm I kind of am getting that impression it is. Uh it says 5,580 people have earned 
1,890 people have earned $58,509. 630 people have earned $112,965. 630 people have earned $201,764. 180 people have earned $463,555. And less than 90 people, I'm assuming these are all the executives, have earned $1,259,000. So these are like the lucky people, I think, right here. Well, that's the thing is if, so say there's one, say say you know someone who is just starting one of these multi-level marketing things. If, If you're one of the first 10 people to get in on it, definitely jump in, get in there. Because you could be one of those 90 people who earn $1.2 million every year. But if you are coming in on this thing, when there's already this huge pyramid formed, you're going to be in that 66%. You're never going to make yeah. anything. Just, you really have to be. I mean, the the people, the, le- the less than 90 people who earn the $1.2 million, they don't even really work anymore. They basically just have people underneath them who gather other people and make them money. It's just that it's those it's the nickel and dimes that are coming up and gathering into their pockets. Right. Yeah, it's I would say subliminal deception, personal advice, stay as far away from these things as you possibly can. Um, Yes. There is a weird number of sites that are like there's absolutely nothing wrong with multi-layered marketing. But I'm just like. I think there's a lot wrong with it. It's kind of a legal scam, dude. (laughs) You know, so yeah, that's this is a big reason why this shit's not taken serious because, um, and not that I think it should even be taken serious because I think it's kind of all silly unless it's like for cents or maybe some skincare or something like that. Um, if these people are trying to make money off this, of course they're going to tell you it cures fucking everything, right? Oh, definitely. You know, yeah. I mean, just like we were talking about last week with some people put like some of these oils in their like their Scentsy oil burners, or some people kind of think that it smells good when they put it on their skin or it's in the soaps. So say it's in a candle or in a soap and you really like the way it smells. Oh, go for it. You know, you're just getting it for the smell. It's really all that it can be good for. I mean, maybe there are some that are good for your skin, but really... There's not a ton of scientific proof that a lot of these actually have like these miracle cures for diseases or viruses or antimicrobial. Some of them might be antimicrobial. Shouldn't really say that. Like that all you have to do, all a thing has to do is kill bacteria to be antimicrobial. Yeah. But it sounds like a lot of them are. Um, but I I guess there's a lot of there's a lot of other products that can do the same thing. And are like yeah. more guaranteed to kill everything in sight. But um, yeah, I was reading through the Reddit and it was like a ask me anything from someone who used to work for this company or something like that. And okay. she was like, yeah, we had a customer once who bought, God, what was it? Oregano essential oil or something. And they like put it all inside their bra. And then they they were under the impression that someone told them it help them lose weight. And it ended up like... <laughs> giving them a rash all over their breasts or something and then I can they imagine yeah. yeah they filed a report with the fda and the fda forced them to give them a re- give her a refund and all it was just like crazy as shit i'm like 
I don't know. This is why you got to be real careful of this. But that brings me into how I want to kind of end this thing, how it kind of began is um, let's talk about the current pandemic, COVID-19, and how certain people, not all of them, in the essential oil world have been recommending to deal with COVID-19 because there was uh, quite a few little cure-alls here. Mm. Um, One of the companies was claiming that if you inhale the vapors from eucalyptus oil, it will not allow COVID-19 to infect your lungs. This was apparently confirmed by doctors at the University of Havana, Cuba. Very respected medical university, (laughs) by the way. Yeah, so... And all your jokes, people. Oh, what the fuck? I don't... What the fuck? I don't... That was apparently the most popular one going around, but I also found a few other ones here. Uh, Another company claimed that garlic oil may be effective against battling COVID-19 because it has been recommended in treating such things as common colds, influenza, and other types of infection. So they just assume, hey, if it's good for a cold and the flu, it's fine for COVID-19. Yeah, it's all it's all in the chest, right? Yeah. yeah. It's all the same stuff. It's good. Yeah. This is like saying Vicks Vapor Rub is excellent for COVID-19. I don't know. Maybe it is. Yeah. Probably not. Maybe it is. Yeah. Has to be better than that Johnson & Johnson fiasco. Finally, one site claims that a mixture, you got to have all three of these, of Mediterranean thyme, Greek sage, and Cretan dittany has exhibited remarkable antiviral activity against battling COVID-19. So I guess if you take the power of the fucking Mediterranean right there, combine it all COVID does not stand a chance. Yeah, you got that Mediterranean Sea triad coming at (laughs) you. Oh, God. But uh, honestly, the FDA during this whole time has been like really battling against the uh, essential oil company and their false claims. So that was a it's kind of a big thing. Um, I know they've been battling a lot of like false medical cure sites and shit like that. Uh, battling a lot of memes too. I've noticed anytime, anytime you mention anything about vaccines, not even COVID-19, just saying the word vaccine, they always pop like pop a link right in front of it. That tells you to go to this site for, for real information on blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've gotten struck with that by some of my, uh, memes I posted, but I think that's just because of the keyword like vaccine or COVID-19 or whatever. Or truth. Yeah. (laughs) Or the robots, you know, they can uh, they can uh, detect little Facebook robots there. So anyway, Phil, are you interested now in signing up for a monthly essential oil membership? Oh yeah, just uh, put me down for fifteen hundred dollars of uh, <laughs> give me uh, just just give me a little bit of all of it. Yeah, you know damn pour well. It into a sh- pour it into a shot glass, see how it does me. You know damn well if they had a Dr Pepper essential oil, you'd be all over that. Well, 23 different essential oils in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, But yeah, that was a long-winded journey. Um, I guess Phil kind of brought up a good point while we were off the air that I hope I didn't make it sound like I'm pro-essential oils because definitely not. Um, Oh, well, it was that uh, that first episode really kind of – it went well into the history and kind of like what essential oils – are said to do. And then this is the good episode where it just takes and spikes that down 
right into the sand. So yeah, uh, my here's my understanding of like the whole thing in a in a nutshell is people who don't want to believe in modern medicine and they just assume humans from three thousand years ago knew how to cure illnesses better than we do today. And I think it's just kind of. I mean, yeah, maybe some things work better. I don't really know, but it just seems a bit silly to me personally. Yeah. But um, but yeah, well, yeah, it's it's in the eyes of the beholder, I guess. I think you know this about me. I kind of subscribe to the uh, the old school Iowa farmer method of <laughs> I just eat a diet high in potatoes and red meat. I never go to the hospital and I just know one day I'm going to keel over and die yeah. and that's going to be the end of it. So that's kind of, that's my, uh, you know, you leave, you leave a, you lead a shorter, but more like, you know, fulfilled, happier life. So, yeah, you, you are taking the, um, 67 year plan. And then once the 67 oh, years is over, you're just dead. That's the, I'm, I'm, that's the plan there. I'm an O. I'm an OPAT. It's 73 years. Oh, 73. Like, an, OPAT, an OPAT man gets 73 years, good years. And then they're, they're just they're toast. Gone, so. Okay. All right. Well, yep. Um, honestly, if any of us, any of you out there want to subscribe to the OPAT 73 year plan, <laughs> where can they get a hold of you, Phil? Well, you know, they can send all their hate mail to our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great hearing all the suggestions and hearing what you guys like and even sometimes dislike about the show. Uh, Best way to get a hold of us, though, still on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, thanks, everyone, for all of the likes and the shares and really just helping, you know, spread the word around out there. Uh, they can also get a hold of us on our individual Instagrams. Mine is sdpodphil. I do check it now, and I appreciate the little bit of, uh, you know, messages and stuff that I've gotten over the past few months. Cody, you got one, too? Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at CodyZabub. Uh, follow me on there. I'll try to follow you back. Uh, you can look at my memes. You can chat with me about whatever you want, episode topics, whatever. doesn't matter. Hit me up. The last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show five-star review, put your favorite essential oil or something like that in there, just as long as it's five stars and preferably written. If you're a Spotify user, just uh, hit that follow button. Helps boost us up the charts, helps helps us get more people and grow and all of that delicious stuff. We need you guys to help us make our own multi-layered podcasting marketing ploy here. So you recruit more fans and then we'll just sit up on top and collect the goods, right, Phil? Oh yeah. No, that's uh that's exactly how the whole podcasting thing works. That's with, uh, what is it, those big ones like Small Town Murder and all of them. They basically have people advertising for them. So We want to get there. Yeah. The big, uh, be the be the guys on top of the pyramid, not the ones sweeping the floor <laughs> at the bottom. So, All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this journey into essential oils and herbal medicine and all that fun stuff. We'll see you next. Thanks, guys. <laughs>